darkness we're now in represents a spiritual darkness that so many people in our lives are enveloped in. Our neighbors, people at work, people that we watch. Our kids play different uh, sporting activities. People around us who are dead in their sins. People of no spiritual life whatsoever. And these people are always in constant pursuit of what satisfies in life, what they think is going to finally make them happy, whether it be a relationship or whether it be an achievement, whether it be a promotion, whether it be a new whatever. And they always come up empty. Many times their lives are filled with pain, relational pain, with their spouse, with their kids, with broken dreams, and they wonder what this life is really all about. And God wants a relationship for those people. God loves them so much. God loves your coworker. God loves your neighbor. And he's called you to be a light. He's called you to reflect his glory. You're the main strategy. <laughs> you and I are the main strategy, the main way that God reveals himself to people. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, you know, how much of a light are we being? How are we impacting the people around us? Do they, do they notice that there's uh, something different about us? Do they see a difference in the way that we talk, the words we use? Do they notice a difference in our attitudes toward things that happen when we're together with them? Our attitudes generally about life? Do they notice a difference in our values? we talk about life. They notice a difference in the way we approach problems. People are always watching us. Many times we don't think we're making any impact on anyone, but we always are making an impact. People never come up and say, you're really making an impact on me. <laughs> but you are. Wherever you go, people are watching you people you're in a relationship with. They're listening to you. They're studying you. And the question is, how can we be a brighter light? How can, how can we shine our light? And we're going to be looking at a passage today that's going to instruct us in how we can shine the light of Jesus Christ deeper into people's lives. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for the opportunity to be your light bearers, to reflect who you are in this world. What a wonderful responsibility you've given us. And I ask that you would be with us during this time, that you would uh, inspire us through your spirit to take a close look at our hearts, to take a close look at our lives, to see how we might 
walk more closely with you and experience you in a deeper way in order that other people might see it in our lives and that we might testify to your greatness. In Christ's name, amen. Well, take your Bibles out. I always encourage you to bring your Bibles with you as we study God's Word uh, together. And we in our, we're in the midst of a 12-week study in the book of Philippians. Uh, it's our fifth Sunday so far that we've been looking at this uh, tremendous book that speaks of uncommon joy. I want you to look at this statement here. It's also found in your message notes. Uh, you have to change it in your message notes because I adjusted it after they were printed. But here's what it states. This is what this passage we're going to study in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12, communicates this biblical truth. God shines through you when God works in you and you work out your salvation. So we're talking about God shining through us. How does that happen? Well, God shines through you when God works in you and you work out your salvation. So we're going to talk about the three different aspects we see in this statement. And we're going to start out with you working out your salvation. You working out. Let's look at Philippians 2.12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so not only is my presence, but not much, excuse me, so, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, first of all, you see the word, therefore. Whenever you're studying Scripture and you see the word, therefore, you've got to read what happened, uh, what was written before that. It's always saying, therefore, based on what I've said, and again, as we look at the first part of Philippians chapter 2, it's all about being unified, it's all about humility and the humility that was seen in Jesus Christ's death as we reflected upon earlier. So Paul is saying, therefore, because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and how you need to be unified and how you need to live your lives out in humility, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. So again, Paul was saying that the people at Philippi had a great track record of obedience. They were people who really loved God. They were serious about their spiritual lives. And Paul is saying, hey, just as you've always obeyed, I know your reputation. I know how much you're devoted to God. So now, not only as in my presence but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. Now, we look at this and we say, okay, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Is he saying like, you know, uh, while the cat's away, the mice will play, or like when the teacher's out of the room? Is that what he means here? No, I don't think he means that. I think he means what he's saying is when I'm with you, uh, you might think that you're going to grow more spiritually because I, Paul, am there with you, teaching you. But what I'm saying is that when I'm away from you, you can grow even more if you again take the initiative. What he's saying is that you're responsible for your own spiritual development. As uh, I've been in ministry for many years, I talked to many pastors. The 
The one reason that people commonly give when they leave a church is they say, well, I, I wasn't being fed. In fact, a very well-known pastor out on the West Coast, I heard him once say that somebody uh, told him that they weren't being fed. Well, if you hear this guy teach, it's like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you see, the problem is not that people are not being fed. The problem is people don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to be self-feeders. How many of you have children that you still have to feed? You know, you still have to kind of put the food in their mouth. Anybody got uh, small children out there? Okay, yeah, you know. Or they're trying to feed themselves, and they keep throwing food at their face, and about you know 5% gets in. We need to assist those who cannot feed themselves. Now, if you've got a 15-year-old who you're still spoon-feeding, there's an issue there, right? Well, the sad thing about it is there's so many Christ followers who are like little babies, and they're saying, feed me, because I don't know how to feed myself. I really don't want to take the time to feed myself, so I'll be dependent upon you. There might be people here that says, well, I'm, I'm dependent on Pastor Dan. I'm dependent on him bringing it home every every week because that's the only meal I'm getting. So 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 I, I'm hungry. I'm hungry all week. Got to get to church. Got to get to church. So I come on Sunday morning, and Pastor Dan, well, he doesn't speak to my need. He, he doesn't scratch where I itch, and now I'm really hungry. I'm going to have to wait another week to see if he can deliver that. That is not a self-feeder, friends. You are not to be dependent upon me. You're not to be dependent upon a small group leader. You are responsible for your spiritual development. You need to work at it. Paul is saying, take responsibility. Whether I'm there or not, continue to be a self-feeder. Grow deep. I want to encourage you again to spend daily time with Jesus. That's how you cultivate a relationship. And if for some reason you strayed from that, if for some reason you're just not feeling it, you're dry, I would really encourage you to pick up a devotional called Jesus Calling. How many have read that devotional? Isn't that a great devotional? Oh, mercy. Wow. So pick it up. Again, you can get it on an e-book. Uh, like Kindle for like $9.99 off Amazon. And remember, you can read uh, an e-book on your computer uh, through a Kindle software. You can put it on your smartphone. and It's got a devotional uh, for every day of the year. And the devotions are written by this woman from the perspective of Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful devotional to help you to really feel communion with Jesus. It's just very powerfully uh, written. So if you need something, uh, you just feel dry, I really would encourage you uh, to pick that devotional up. You can also buy it in you know, uh, print form. But uh, Jesus calling. So we need to be responsible for our own spiritual growth. And he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The, the idea of working out is just working, achieving. It's in the present imperative. Uh, so it's like, Continue to work out every day, day after day after day. In fact, this particular word in the secular world back in that day was used uh, for mining silver. Now, the silver is in the ground, but you've got to extract the silver. 
And that takes a lot of energy. Well, that's a beautiful picture of what it means to work out your salvation. We've got this treasure of salvation. And every day of our lives, it's our opportunity, it's our privilege to be able to explore, to discover, to experience, to come to a deeper understanding of this incredible salvation God has given to us. Remember we talked about the three stages of salvation. You've got justification. You're justified in the eyes of God. When you uh, respond to the gospel, you're seen as holy positionally, but still practically you're not holy. <laughs> you're not sinless. So then you have the, the process of sanctification, uh, being made holy. That's what that word means. And uh, therefore, that's the idea of working out your salvation. And glorification is when you get to heaven and you are perfect. But we're talking about sanctification uh, today, of being made holy. And what it's saying here is that you need to work out your sanctification. You need to put some effort into it. You need to take the initiative for your spiritual growth. And then it goes on to say, with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what does that mean? As I was studying this, uh, two different things I think that we can draw from this. First of all, we need to realize this incredible responsibility that we have been given to be lights for God. How many of you recently started a new job? Anybody start a new job out there recently? Okay, congratulations. Way to go. That's exciting. Huh? You know, there's something about starting a new job that's kind of nerve-wracking, right? Because... You want to do a good job. And, and it's not like a job you've had for several years. Oh, yeah, I'm going to work today. You know, you kind of go on autopilot. No, you're really like, oh, i got to learn all this stuff. And you want to do well for your employer. You want to keep the job. Uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you want to provide for your family. So there's a little bit of nerve, a little fear and trembling there, right? Like, i got to get this right, right? Well, that, I think that's kind of the idea here, part of it. In this sense, we're serving God. We're representing God. We're an ambassador for God. We're, we're again sending His light out so people will know about Him. That's something pretty, pretty important. Something we shouldn't you know, take too casually. I think another aspect of this with fear and trembling is to realize how weak we really are. How, how susceptible we are to temptation and, and our flesh. And I think that's the devil who's always after us tempting us. Uh, this idea of fear and trembling, I think, can be wrapped into the idea of, you know, fighting the good fight. Uh, you, you think about uh, soldiers. Just over, over the weekend here, uh, I heard a report about four more soldiers in Afghanistan uh, being killed, peacetime keepers. Uh, the spring offensive by the Taliban has started. It's so sad. But as I've talked with people who've been in Iraq and Afghanistan, it's kind of like they're always on. You've got to be always on. you always got to be aware of the enemy. You never know when it's going to happen. Well, that's kind of the sense of fear and trembling here, knowing that you know, Satan's out to bring me down. And I've, I've got to be aware. I've got to be aware of the possibilities here. Because when you come, you come too casual in your, your Christian life, you just kind of, become laissez-faire, and you think, oh, well, I've got it together, and nothing's really going to happen to me. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to stray from God. Well, yeah, there's a good chance you will, unless you're walking closely with Him. So to work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. So we've got to work at it. Paul illustrates this in verse 24 of First uh, Corinthians 9. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. How many have been in a marathon before? Run a marathon. Yeah, all right, way to go. Congratulations. Uh, that takes a lot of work, doesn't it? I mean, it's not like, oh, Saturday and there's a marathon tomorrow. That sounds fun. I think I'll show up, try it out. <laughs> How many miles do you think you go? <laughs> not very far, right? Because you really have to train a lot for a marathon. But, oh, friends, the Christian life is a marathon that goes to the day that you die and, and you're in constant training to prepare yourself to do God's work, to, again, fight spiritual battles. And you need to be disciplined. And, and you should be so passionate about working out your salvation that you should want to want a, a run to win the prize. He says, run, that you may obtain it. Run so that you might come in first, not for your own glory, but God's glory. He says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. You see, Paul knew that he was in a spiritual battle. I mean, here, here's Paul, you know, the one who had written these letters that were inspired, the great church planner, the great theologian, uh, the one who had actually uh, 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 got a quick tour of heaven. Uh, some people asked me about that. Uh, in Second Corinthians 12, you can read a little bit about that before his ministry started. Uh, he saw a glimpse of heaven. Uh, but, I mean, here's a guy who's thinking, hey, nobody can touch me. And what is he saying? Hey, I've got to be disciplined so that I will not be disqualified, so that, that I will not bring shame upon uh, the gospel. you got to work at it. Now, uh, graduation is coming up. Special year where the Harrison family have got... My son Thomas is graduating from high school, and then we've got Wesley graduating from Elgin Community College, and we've got my son Brian graduating from UIC. So we've got three sons, three graduations. Uh, it's going to be busy, but it'll be a fun uh, time. There's something about graduating a son from high school. It's kind of like you got the job done. How many? Raise your hand if uh, you have a child graduating from high school. Yeah, let's 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 congratulate these people. Way to go! <laughs> You did it! <laughs> and it took a lot of hard work, right? Raising that child, I mean, it took a lot of time and, and money and uh, lack of sleep and money and, uh, you know, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of chaperoning and money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, raising a child for eight years. That is quite an accomplishment. That really is, isn't it? Praise God for parents, right, who, who stick in there and keep loving and keep giving and, and walk through those dark times, and that's just a beautiful thing. But it takes a lot of investment of all the things you have. And friends, the most important thing in our lives is our investment in God, our investment in in what He wants us to do on this earth. And therefore, we need to take, an, take initiative. We need to work out our salvation. So many times people, 
when they're immature spiritually, that their spiritual life, their spiritual growth, it's a casual thing. It's like another project. They've got their family project and their work project and their hobby project and their TV project and their sports project. Oh, I've got the spiritual project over here too. Maybe I can get to the spiritual project this week. Maybe I can work on that one sin that I've been trying to overcome. Maybe I can spend some time with Jesus this week. Maybe I can get to small group this week. Maybe I can spend some time with a spiritual friend this week. Well, if you had that type of attitude toward getting through school, if you had that type of attitude toward working on a job, you wouldn't go very far, would you? And some of you are wondering, why is my spiritual life so dry and, and dead and not working? Well, it's because you're not working out your salvation, right? You're the one who has to take the initiative to make it happen. In different spiritual disciplines, uh, we see here Bible meditation, Bible study, prayer. They just went up to the National Day of Prayer. Harvest uh, Crystal Lake, a bunch of churches got together, and we were there. Chris Kibaki was playing in the band. And uh, about 30 people from our family there. It was a great time. A service, worship, solitude, being alone with God, fasting, confession. These are all things that you need to start to, to work on in order to grow strong in the Lord. First Timothy 6.12, it says, Fight uh, the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you were the good, made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We need to keep on battling. All right? So let's go back to our phrase here. It says, God shines through you when God works in you and you work out your salvation. You work it out. You make it a priority. You pursue God. You fight the good fight. All right. Let's go to the next aspect. God works in. God works in. Look in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, this is the mystery. All right? So he's saying we should work out our salvation. At the same time, God is saying, I'm working in you to accomplish that sanctification. So it's God's role and our role. It's, it's God's sovereignty over everything, his total control over everything, and it's our effort. Now, how do you put those two things together? Well, it's hard. It's a mystery. It's it's really difficult to understand, and that's why there's been confusion along the way in regards to how do you become sanctified? How are you made holy? That's what that word means, to sanctify, to become holy. How do you do that? Well, here are three popular views. Uh, the first view, three views of sanctification, let, uh, God does it all, I surrender. God does it all, surrender. This is kind of let go and let God. And again, there have been different manifestations of this over the years. Different people have made this popular, but it's kind of like, you know, just let go and let God. And one of the verses that this uh, group uses is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives, uh, who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So what this group would say is, well, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I am dead to myself, 
and Christ just needs to take over. And every day I just need to let Christ take over, let go and let God. Uh, again, I can't do much on my own, so I'm just going to let Him work through me. It's kind of a natural type of process. And when you get to those uh, passages that say make every effort and fight the good fight, those, those are kind of dismissed in different ways. Now you don't have to work that hard. You kind of have to let God work through you. Now the positive thing about this particular view is there's a stress that it is God who brings about the change in your life. And that is very, very true. That's a positive thing about this view. You realize, hey, it's all God. He's the one who's going to make it happen in my life. The weak side of this view is the fact that uh, it's the idea that I don't have to put any effort into it at all. Or very little, it's going to happen naturally in some way. And, and, and therefore, it takes away from what God, I think, is very clear about saying is that you need to take initiative here, all right? You need to work at it. You need to, to struggle a little bit in the Christian life as you become more uh, like Jesus Christ. And it also can move toward license, the idea, hey, you know, God's forgiven me, and therefore... It's not that I want to go out and sin because God has forgiven all those sins. It's like, oh, if he's forgiven it, what's the big deal? It's not that type of attitude, but there isn't the same hatred of sin, the, the desire to, to not sin as maybe uh, with other views. All right? So that's one view. Another view is I do it all, God helps. Now, it's interesting that one of the favorite verses of this group is Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now... now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation. Oh, some people love this particular view. Work out your salvation. It's all about you. It's all about working harder. Work harder on your Christian uh, life. And uh, the positive thing about this, now you do need to take responsibility for your spiritual development, uh, but it really discounts to some degree God's uh, work in this and what God needs uh, to do and it easily can turn into legalism uh, where you have you know all these rules okay I, I'm going to do these ten things and that's going to make me uh, an upstanding Christian and so they the person works and works to, to get these things done and, and many times they don't do it in God's power they do it in their own power and on top of that they think that once they got these ten things done they're good with God and uh, many times their heart is not good with God. They're just doing things. They're not really uh, cultivating a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And I think it's just pride. You know, some people who follow this view think, well, you know, I've worked so hard, and I'm kind of one of God's favorites. You know? I mean, God loves everybody, of course, but I mean, I work so hard. I mean, God, God loves me a little bit more little bit more, right? Now, can God really love you more than he already has loved you? Well, no. I don't care what you do. God's love is consistent. So so this is this view is positive in the sense that, it, yeah, we do need to take responsibility for our spiritual growth, but it's negative in the sense uh, that, that God is not necessarily seen as the primary driver. It's more, you know, what I can do, so that's not good either. So this is the view that I think that flows from this passage. Uh, the third view is God works in, I work out. So let's go back to Galatians uh, 2.20. I, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. All right, so that's the first part of it. You know, Christ, rest in Christ. That, that's a good thing. 
And then it goes on, In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Then that's what it says. The life I now live in the flesh. You've got to live every day. You've, you've got to live by faith. You've got to step out and, and grow and that kind of thing. So you see the balance there? The balance between the th- two things? You working out, God working in. We see this again in Second Peter 1. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence. Now that sounds like uh, the first view, right? I mean, it's all God, right? He's granted us everything that we need. We just sit back, relax, you know, let God work through us. But then he flips it in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What are you talking about make every effort? Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and so on. So again, you see the two things. Our role, God's role. And there's a balance. God works in and we work out. Let's go back to Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Uh, God works in you. Again, the reality is, guys, that it's all God anyway. It's all God anyway. Now, we need to take initiative. We need to work. We need to fight. We need to run, all that kind of stuff. But we can't do that without God in the first place. He's the one who gives us our very breath. So God is the one who's working within us. He's working at the level of our will, right? Both to will. So, so he can influence our will. I've been a Christian for many years. And I'm always amazed at how God continues to energize me. In fact, the idea of God who works in the original language, uh, probably the best way to interpret the word is energizer. God's an energizer. He's your energizer. It's kind of like Iron Man. That came out this past weekend, right? And I don't know, what that, what does he have in the middle of his chest? I don't know what you call it. <laughs> That's what gives him his power, right? If he loses that, he's, he's, he's cooked. But, but the point being is that it, we're kind of like Iron Man, okay? And, and God is the thing that's right in the middle of our chest. That's energizing us. And we gotta be, we got to have that, whatever that thing is. You can take it out, I think. Uh, I really got to learn about Iron Man. But uh, you've you got to have it in there or something's going to happen. So you've got to be dependent upon God. Because, again, and this is called the perseverance of the saints. That's kind of the theological term. The idea that if God is truly within you, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You're going to be just drawn to Him. You're just going to have this desire to know Him more and more. Even when life caves in you, there's there's that God within you working below the level of even your consciousness, drawing you to Himself. It's a very mysterious, wonderful thing. Okay, so that's that's the uh, that's the desire part. Then there's the deed part, both the will. That's the uh, desire and to work. So God is the one who actually produces the works in our life. When we do something good, when we do obey, it's not like, hey, look at me. It's like, wow, look at God. Thanks, God, for doing that in my life. Right? For His good pleasure. I like that. Right? I mean, God's kind of up there looking down on us, and when He sees us growing, when He sees us maturing, He kind of smiles and says, yeah, that's the way I like it. Yeah. It brings great pleasure. To him, and you might be sitting here this morning. I was talking with a woman uh, in our first service, 
And uh, she was just telling me that she found out her mother got cancer. Uh, and uh, she only got like two to four months to live. And then she was talking about her husband who's has uh, some real serious physical issues. And he's really struggling. She just started to cry. She said, I'm so sorry for crying. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, this is a safe place to cry, right? If you're going to cry any place, cry here, right? As your family, we mourn with those who mourn, and we know you're going through a tough time. And, and she probably would like to be in a different time in her life right now, a different season. But friends, you know, God has the power for her to sustain her, to encourage her, to comfort you. And, and I know some of you are thinking, man, I'm way too messed up. <laughs> yeah. Time to stop crying. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, God is gonna doing a good work in your life, and He's gonna finish it right. Philippians one six. And, and just rely on Him. Rely on Him. And if you're in the midst of desperate times, just say, uh, "I trust you, Jesus." Every time it comes, I trust you, Jesus. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the future holds, but I trust you, Jesus. And God will provide. Ephesians 3.20 talks about the power that God wants to unleash in your life. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. That's the kind of power that God wants to deliver into your life right now, especially if you're struggling. Uh, Philippians uh, 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. The word grumble there in the original language is guskamas. Uh, it's on onomatopoeia, right? And it sounds like it. You're grumbling, guskamas, guskamas, guskamas. Disputing, the idea of dialogue, kind of idea of questioning. What? 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 You're telling me to do what? what? Why is this going on? Why does this happen to me? Is this fair? Anybody been Guskamasin lately? No? Uh, yeah, any of your kids, when you ask them to do something this past week, uh, when you ask them to obey, did they say, Guskamas? Anybody out there? Guskamas, 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 right? You see, this is the issue of obedience. This is what it's all about. He's saying, work out your salvation. He's saying, obey. And sometimes when God tells us to obey, that type of attitude, right? Yeah. And that's what that's what he's talking about here. Not like, you know, whining about if you got a cold hamburger or something. I mean, this is talking about serious stuff. Do all things. Obey without or disputing, questioning. That's what he's saying. And it's interesting that he they reference the children of Israel uh, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy. Uh, this talks about the people of Israel. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. So Paul is making allusion to the people of Israel. He's saying they were complainers. They were whiners. They didn't want to obey God. Remember when they went to the promised land, 12 spies in? Came out, ten said, no way. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, let's go. And what did they say? How did they respond? Oh, Moses, why? Why? Go 
that, I mean, that was all the time with them, right? Story after story. We could do a whole series on the complaints of the Israelites, right? Why? Because they did not want to obey. They did not want to trust. And the question for you and I as we reflect upon this is, hey, is there an area in our lives where we're telling God, why Why do I have to do that? And I like I like that relationship the way it is. I like that sin. I want to keep that sin. Why? Right? Stop grumbling and complaining when God tells you to obey. That's the point here. And finally, God shines through you. Verse 15. That you may be blameless. We're not talking about perfection here. The Bible doesn't teach that. But it's the idea that as other people around you in your life who don't know Jesus, they can look at you and they can say, yeah, that person's not perfect. Because if you were perfect, then they couldn't relate to you, right? But at the same time, they see, you know, there's just something different about them. They're really seeking to live a life that's different from everybody else. And innocent, same idea. Children of God without blemish in the midst of of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, friends, the more closely you walk with Jesus, the more reliant you are upon Him, the more you seek to be like Him, the more you work out your salvation, the more you allow God to work in you and realize that it's Him at work, the more you'll shine. The more you'll shine. I want to take a moment just for prayer and reflection as we close our service. Bow your heads. And, uh, you know, we're called to shine as light. So I just want you to kind of pray and think through these issues. First of all, you know, is your spiritual development one of the top priority in your life. I mean, walking with Jesus, is that the number one thing in your life? To work out your salvation. And you think about, these are the projects I have to do this week. Is that top? Okay, this week, top thing is how am I going to walk with God? How am I going to get to know Him better? How am I going to enjoy His presence? How am I going to do His will? Talk to God about that right now. out our salvation. But then also, at the same time, God is doing everything, right? God is working in us. He's transforming us. He's making us holy. So just take a moment to thank God for that. I mean, in the last month or so, think about a time when God prompted you, when the Holy Spirit spoke to you about an issue in your life, a spiritual victory you had in your life. Uh, just thank Him. Or maybe you've just been convicted about something. Just thank Him that He's convicting you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> thank God. Thank God for His work in your life right now.
And next, uh, ask yourself the question, have you been guskamashing about something? <laughs> have you been grumbling? God has said, you know, you need to obey in this area. And you say, no, 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 I don't want to obey. I don't want to turn from that sin. I don't want to repent. I don't want to uh, get involved in whatever you want me to get involved in. I don't want to change that. Go to God and tell him what's going on in your heart. Repent of your guskamasin. Finally, uh, thank God that uh, you have the privilege of being an ambassador in this world, that you have the privilege of shining the light in this world, that you have the privilege of introducing other people to Jesus Christ through the way you live and by what you say to them. Just, just thank God for that incredible privilege you've given you. pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us, your deep, deep love for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. You love us so much. You, you want to transform us. And I pray for myself. Lord, sometimes my light doesn't shine as bright as I'd like it to. I pray you would help me to stop guskamasing, stop complaining, stop to stop saying no to what you want me to do. Help me to submit to you totally. Help me to let you work within me. Help me to realize that you're the source of all spiritual life, all spirit. You're my energizer. Help me to remember that. Lord, I pray that you would empower me to work out my salvation, to discover what a beautiful, wonderful thing that I have. In Christ's name, amen. My name is Kristen McDonough, and thanks again for being with us at Springbrook this morning. We're so glad you're here. If you would, please open your bulletin and tear off that communication card and fill that out for us. While you're